0: So a warm welcome to the theme of this session, mindfulness for life, I bringing mindfulness really into our lives, comma, for life, can this be a lifelong practice? And then this idea of being the change we'd like to see in the world, can we draw on our practice if our practice is about cultivating the mind and the body, can we draw on our practice to really help us to live in the world in a way that we are the change we'd like to see in the world? So this is the last in a series. And that series has gone on for the last three months or so. And what I'd like to do is to pull together all of the learning in the service of that question. How can we be the change we'd like to see in the world? I used to work <clears throat> primarily with um, people with depression. And when I started teaching MBCT, I remember somebody in the orientation session saying to me, I asked her the question, you know, what is it like for you when you go into a relapse of depression? And she said, you know, it's like being, um, dragged towards and over Niagara Falls. It feels really out of control. It feels really scary. And it feels like there's a certain inevitability to it. And that story really um, seemed to resonate for me in terms of how I thought about depression. And I started to use it as a way of introducing um MBCT to other people and they all, yeah, that makes sense. To describe that very rapid process of relapse into recurrent depression. And it resonated for me too, as somebody who'd also suffered from recurrent depression. And what I'd say was <clears throat> when we're learning mindfulness to prevent depression, what we're trying to do is to help people two or three miles upriver see the really early warning signs the distant sound of Niagara Falls around the corner, the turbulence in the water, the sense of the disturbed air on the skin. These are the moments where actually somebody who's vulnerable to recurrent depression can choose to do something differently. Now, of course, what we started to do since then um, in our work at the Oxford Mindfulness Center is to think about the way in which we can take mindfulness-based Approaches more widely into the world. I am. Um, I live very close to the Thames, and at the beginning and the end of every day, um, in fact, happened just moments ago, geese fly over my flat. They squawk the way geese squawk. Three or four of them, groups of them, and it always reminds me of that Mary Oliver poem, Wild Geese and that line that she ends with. And I think it's such an interesting question. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And I think that's really what the theme of these last sessions has all been about,
1: helping us to answer that question. What does the answer to that question look like for you? And how can mindfulness help?
0: Very few people would say, I'd like to spend my wild and precious life scrolling through my phone in endless business meetings, doing the have-to-dos of life. Many people would say it's about relationship, it's about love, it's about connection, it's about meaningful work, whatever it might be. But these are questions that mindfulness can help us with. and so. What I'd like to introduce again, is this idea of mindfulness practice, being like a good friend for life. The practice is like a best friend in two ways. The simplicity of just being together and enjoying being together with a good friend, feeling safe, having fun, Just knowing that she or he is there for you. Whether the going is good or tough or whatever, they're there for you. So that's the first way I think mindfulness practice can be like a friend. But I think there's a second way and when I was training to be a clinical psychologist I was training to do family therapy and we would have um, experienced therapists sitting behind the the mirror, watching the work, and we'd have a little bug in our ear and we'd stop at various points and they'd go, "Well, why don't you consider doing this or consider doing that? And I wonder whether mindfulness practice could also be a friend in that way. As we go through the small and the larger moments in our lives, the bug in the ear might say,
1: I've got you. You've got this. Steady. (laughs) take a breath you're a good father mother son daughter whatever or maybe
0: some of the other questions that we've explored in this theme like in this moment what feels like it would support your well-being and the well-being of others what does this moment need So mindfulness practice, in this sense, is like a bug in our ear that we take through our day. And it whispers to us, it speaks to us and supports us in navigating our day. And over time, that's naturalized. It becomes part of who we are. This best friend becomes just like us. So what I want to do is I want to transition to a range of practices that we have introduced through all of the themes, and I'll just weave in some of the things that we've learned as we've gone along. So maybe let's just start. I know many, many people have found the tree practice really helpful. Let's start with adopting a tree pose. (laughs) So what does that mean to you, a tree pose? I'm gonna guess there's something about rootedness, the rootedness of the feet or the sitting
1: bones. There's something about the trunk being steady and upright and strong, but flexible. And there's something about the arms, the head, the face, being like branches and foliage. Flexible, responsive, connected.
0: So what we're doing is just coming into this sense of being
1: rooted, upright, strong, yet flexible. Stabilizing, steadying, rooting, anchoring ourselves dropping
0: into awareness awareness of ourselves is rooted
1: steady upright A real sense of dropping into awareness. And if it helps you just, perhaps choosing somewhere that can be the primary focus of your attention.
0: Somewhere maybe to anchor in this moment and each
1: unfolding moment your attention, your awareness. Such a simple invitation available to you in any moment to just
0: come back to this rooted tree-like sense of yourself
1: stabilizing steadying first of all your attention but more broadly than that steadying and stabilizing a sense of the whole mind anchored in this tree-like rooted Can say image, but kind of more embodied idea, really. Just see if you can let go of any sense of trying to get anywhere or anything to fix.
0: The day that's just gone, the rest of the day is about to come. In the same way that a tree
1: is just rooted, steady. So that's the first thing that we've learned from our friend, our mindfulness practice. Let's move on to the second. This sense of coming home to
0: and really inhabiting. Think about that word, inhabit. Into the home of the body. And in your own way and in your own time, Just scan through the body, either from, in whatever way you want, from the bottom up or the top down, or from the center of the anchor outwards, it doesn't matter, don't get caught up with the choices. There's more of a sense of really coming home to the body.
1: The myriad and many, many sensations throughout the body, most of which we're either not aware of or barely aware of. this body, this nervous system, this mind, that we carry with us from the moment we're born to the moment of our last breath. In this moment, choosing to bring our awareness really into the body with a sense of inhabiting it, coming home to it. Even if there's discomfort and pain, even if there's a sense of real ease and relaxation inhabiting it all Maybe lightly noting any areas of the body that feel
0: there's a pleasant sense around it.
1: Maybe with a sense of appreciation, lightly appreciating any feelings of well being, ease, strength, or steadiness, rhythm of the breath. And including in the circle of awareness, also any discomfort from minor itches and maybe feeling a bit too, too hot or too cold. Some tension, the shoulders and the neck. Just having a sense of discerning wisdom in relation to what you find. Does the body need in this moment? So, the mindfulness practice, the mindfulness of the body here again, like a friend, sitting alongside with a sense of safety. sense of playfulness, maybe also that bug in the air of uh, maybe some of the difficulties. I've got you. You've got this. For whatever words, whatever
0: phrases make sense, to support this sense of inhabiting the body and opening our awareness out to a sense of the body as being a source of knowing, a source of wisdom from the very,
1: I guess, obvious, simple things. Am I really tired? Or am I really alert? Am I thirsty or hungry? Through to the more Subtle, important messages the body can give us. A sense of, I'm really okay with this. I feel safe here with this person in this situation.
0: Or I don't. Really opening to listening to the body. The well of wisdom
1: that the body is. This is our vehicle. Body and the mind, a vehicle, seaworthy, safe vehicle carrying us through our lives. So maybe the third thing from the
0: series that I'd like to drop into the practice is this sense that in our practice and in our lives, there are certain attitudes or qualities
1: that we can choose to dial up or dial down. We can become really skilled at doing this. One of the qualities or attitudes is curiosity or interest. We can
0: choose to meet our experience right now in the body with a sense
1: of interest and curiosity. That's an attitude that we can over time Learn to dial up or dial down. So with interest, for example, right now with the body,
0: there can be a flatness, a sort of zero, if you like, on a 10-point scale. You can dial it up to just a light interest. I'm just a little bit interested here. can go all the way up to so what I love to think of as a quote from Einstein you can either think that there's no such thing as miracles or you can believe that everything that we encounter in our lives is a miracle that sense of awe knowing that we can choose in the small and the larger moments of our life to dial up this quality of interest, but also friendliness
1: to our inner landscape. Meeting what we find in our bodies and our minds with friendliness. And if we find suffering, a friendliness that's imbued with care with compassion, a resonance that includes a wish to alleviate that suffering, or at least acknowledge it. Just staying with a sense of the body like a tree. Bringing our awareness, bringing our attention to the body. And a sense of playfulness around these attitudes. If you meet something pleasant, just being playful with this idea of interest, friendliness, and appreciation. If you need something a little bit difficult, some tension or some pain. You have so many choices. You can move back and step away.
0: If you choose to stay with it, again, just see how it is to bring interest
1: and friendliness, compassion, and that friend, like a bug in the ear. Saying phrases that are meaningful to you, things you might have learned from your practice or from your life more widely. the final thread I want to just weave into this practice, bring into this practice,
0: is this idea that having stabilised and gathered the mind, using this idea of a
1: tree, come into the body, know that we have this choice about the attitudes of mind that we can bring to our
0: experience. What this does is it creates some space,
1: the space between stimulus and response. Steadiness, the tree-like quality, the wisdom of the body,
0: the friendliness creates space
1: And be playful with this, because some of these create more space. And in that space, we begin to have choices. We begin to have freedom. In the tiny, tiny moments of picking up a sound or a sensation, and also in the bigger moments, when somebody said something and we feel hurt, beginning to have this sense of choice
0: and knowing that in this moment, we can ask these questions, this bug in the ear can ask these questions. What does this moment need?
1: What will support my well-being and the well-being of others? It's kind of like a compass. You can call it values. You can call it ethics. You can call it the wisdom of your body. What will support my well-being and the well-being of others in this moment? From the small things through to the larger things. And this is always changing, every moment. Every moment creates a new space. Again, staying with a sense of a tree, sense of really inhabiting the body and the mind. And seeing what comes up with this sense of choice. A sense of freedom. This sense of choosing to be the change you'd like to see in the world. And a bit like with a friend, you maybe let go of this sense of wanting your friend to be good or perfect or get any particular place, but more of a sense of unconditional, yeah, unconditional love. So I'd just like to bring this practice to a close with a story which I'm going to
0: I'm going to adapt it's a story I'm sure you've heard before or many of you will have heard before and it's in the service of this idea of our practice being something almost as essential now let's lose the word almost being as essential as the nourishment of sleep and food. So it's a story of a child and a grandparent and the child says to the grandparent, I've got these two wolves or it feels like these two wolves living inside me. One of them, is kind of scary, they're impulsive, greedy
1: reactive, can be kind of mean-spirited, a bit scary, really.
0: And then I've got this other wolf, who's kind, patient, responsive, generous. It feels like they're at war with each other. I don't know which one's gonna win.
1: And the grandparent responds and says, well, The one that's going to win
0: is the one that you choose to feed. And with our practice and with the choices that we make in our lives, I guess we are continually making choices about which of these two wolves we feed. But when I told this story once in a class,
1: somebody added another chapter to it. The child says to the grandparent, but can these wolves be friends? (laughs) That was brilliant. And of course they can be
0: friends because the wolf that is kind and patient and responsive and generous can meet the wolf that is impulsive and reactive and sometimes mean-spirited. And over time, they can learn to live together. And I think that is the kind of shift, I think, in this idea of mindfulness for life, that would be so good to see this idea that mindfulness isn't something that we feel that we have to do. It becomes like a friend that creates a sense of safety, fun, being there for us, but more than that, somebody that can
1: actually be a guide and help us in working with um, the full range of things that happen in our lives.